this afternoon we come before you. We ask that you bless us. We pray, oh God, that the entrance of your word will bring clarity, illumination to your people. Holy Spirit, we invite you to take your rightful place in this assembly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together for the choir. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I said, are you happy at all? You, all of a sudden you've gone quiet. Is everything all right? All right. Okay. So can somebody put on the lights? We are not in a nightclub. Amen. So I just always make sure that by the time I come and stand here, the lights are on. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter number 19 from 11 to 16. First Kings 19, 11 to 16. Hallelujah. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mount of the cave. Then the voice came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and tore down your altars, but your prophets and put your prophets to death, but with, with a sword. I am the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Nimsi, king over Haziel, son of Nimsi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as priest. Jehu you shall. Jehu will put to death. Whoever escapes the sword of Hazel. Whoever escaped the sword of Hazel. And Elijah. Elisha will put to death. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Today we are looking at. Who is this anointing for? Or who is the anointing for? Who is the anointing for? We started talking about the anointing. Was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? We said the first was what? What did we talk about the first Sunday? The anointing makes all the difference. We talked, looked at the different types of, of, of the anointing. And then I submitted an argument that the anointing makes all the difference in our lives. Amen. And last week we looked at what the anointing can do for you. Amen. Today we are going to look at who 
is the anointing for. Amen. And in this story we just read, Elijah was the prophet of God and in uh, Ahab, the king of Israel, had a wife called Jezebel. And Jezebel was a daughter of the high priest of Baal. So Jezebel had, he, Jezebel wanted to promote Baal worship over the worship of Yahweh. So Jezebel caught all the priests and the prophets of God and killed all of them. And um, when Elijah heard of it, Elijah also caught the prophets, 400 prophets of Baal and also killed them. When Jezebel heard that Elijah had killed the 400 prophets of Baal, she vowed a revenge that the Lord do so to me and more also if I don't scatter Elijah by tomorrow, tomorrow by this time. And when Elijah heard it, this great prophet of God, run for his life and went to the mount of God to resign his prophetic ministry. So he went to say to God, God, I am fed up. I am tired. This work is, is not working for me anymore. Take my life. I am no better than my fathers. I have been zealous. I have done all these things and they have killed all the prophets of Baal and I'm the only one left and me also, they want to kill me. And so God said, okay, if you have resigned, that's fine. But before you sign off and go permanently, there are some people I need for you to anoint. I need you to anoint them because they are strategic. They are people that are really um, demanded by God for the work he wants to do on earth. So when you go back, you have to anoint Jehu as the king. You have to anoint, um, what was the other guy called? Elisha. In your stead as a prophet, and you have to anoint Nimshi as a king in the south. Amen. So, in this little story, we are seeing the candidates that are the anointing is meant for. Am I making sense? So, the anointing is meant for the king. Somebody say the king. Number two. The anointing is meant for the prophets. Are you, are you with me? Have you got my notes? Number three, the anointing is meant for the priests. Number four, so we have the king, we have the prophets, we have the priests, we have the sick. Amen. And number five, we have the objects. We saw the object the very first day. Okay? So, let's look at some references. In uh, n- number, uh, number one, the priest, we saw, uh, the, the king, sorry, 
We saw in 1 Samuel where Saul was anointed, isn't it? And Samuel was also anointed. Uh, David was anointed when Samuel came to have a, a worship and asked Jesse to bring his seven sons because God had identified one of the sons of David, sons of Jesse, to be anointed as king. And he brought all the sons and left out David. So seven sons passed and said, are these all the sons? He said, no, no, there remained yet one in the backside of the desert. And he was brought and anointed. Hallelujah. So the kings in those days were anointed. And we have just seen in the scripture we read that Elisha had to be anointed as a prophet to stand in the stead of Elijah. Am I making sense? So kings are anointed, prophets are anointed, then priests. The priest, give me the scripture, is also anointed. You shall put the holy garment of Aaron on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as what? Priest. We saw that the first week we started talking about anointing. They anointed the the objects in the temple and then they anointed the priest as well. Amen. So the objects in the house of God are anointed and I told you last time that what the anointing means is that it symbolizes the presence and the enablement of the Holy Spirit upon the person. Are you with me? So these five guys and then in James, James chapter 5, the Bible says that is there anyone sick among you? Let them call for the elders, verse 14 and 15, that they may pray over him, anointing him with what? Oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the sick. Hallelujah. And if he has committed any sins, sins it will be forgiven him. So the sick have to be anointed. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. So, we said the objects in the house of God need to be anointed to be marked for God. So, when God enters the room, he's looking for what is his. When God enters the office, he's looking for who he, who he has in the office. And the oil is what signifies that this person is marked for the Lord. Are you with me? So when the, he comes to the office, he's looking. This person has oil. This person has oil. This person hasn't got oil. If he hasn't got oil, it's not mine. If he has oil, it's mine. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? So it's very important that you and I are anointed. If we are going to be priests, if we are going to be prophets, if we are going to be kings, if we are going to be uh, uh, instruments in the house of the Lord, or if we are sick, we need the anointing because the anointing will bring God's enabling power into our lives. Amen. Why are the kings anointed? The kings are anointed because they need God's wisdom to rule. Hallelujah. When Solomon was made king and in the night he had 
done so much. He had uh, uh, sacrificed so many uh, cows, so many bulls and everything for the Lord. The Bible says in that, in that evening, the Lord came to speak to Solomon, the king, and asked Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Do you want the lives of your enemies? Do you want me to give you money? Do you want me to give you any, what Name what you want and I will give it to you. And Solomon said that you have found favor in my found favor in my father and you have made sure that his son sits on this throne and you know that I am only a child. I don't know how to go in and come out in front of these people, these great people of yours. So what I want you to do for me is give me wisdom. Give me wisdom how I ought to behave, how I ought to order my steps, how I ought to uh, comport myself so that I don't make mistakes in the position that you have put me in. I need wisdom. I I came to tell somebody here that you need wisdom in that position that God has placed you. You may be a wife, you need wisdom. The Bible says that a wise woman will build a house. But a foolish woman will tear the house down with her own hands. So you need wisdom as a wife. If you have, if you're a husband, you need wisdom to lead. The king leads the, the, the country or the king leads the people. You as a, a husband, you are also a king of your home. And you need wisdom like Solomon to be able to lead. Because if you are a foolish husband, you are a calamity to the family. Uh, hello if you are a foolish husband you become a calamity to the house because you will take a decision that will take the whole house into the ditch one decision by a foolish husband can set the family back 30 years hallelujah and wise, one wise decision by one has, wise husband will promote the family beyond. Amen. So we need the wisdom of God. We need to be anointed so that we can act wisely. You know, wisdom is after the fact. Can I speak to somebody? Wisdom is wisdom after the fact. Because in the time you are taking that decision, it may not look like wisdom. But with time, we will look at what the decision you took and say it was a wise move that you made. Ah, I don't know whether you got what I said. Yeah. The beginning, it may, you see, fools and wise people at the beginning look the same. They feel the same. They behave the same. You won't know a fool from a wise person at the beginning. Uh, go to the playground of 10-year-olds, 5-year-olds, 6, 7-year-olds, and look at them playing. You will know who a fool is. You will know who will go, end up in jail because they all look the same. Uh, I don't know. Look, look at youngsters living, uh, what do you call it, at the age of 16, they are leaving high school and they have, uh, what do you call it, leavers, whatever year, 22, 21, 20, people have signed. You will know who a fool is and you will know who a wise person is as they walk out of the school. Everybody is the same. 
Everybody's excited. Everybody's being clapped for. You have gone through a formal education. You have finished. We will test the wisdom of the leavers of that year group. 10-year reunion. 20-year reunion. When they come back for reunion, they will know who was a fool. Ah, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Have I lost you already? As I've, I've seen five people get married, five couples get married in the same day, in the same church. I've seen it. Same day wedding. Five different couples. Five sets. Wholesale wedding. I've seen it. So they were married the same time, the same day, in the same church, by the same priest. But we didn't know who the fool was. Which couple was a foolish couple? Until a few years down the line, then we saw that out of the five, some of them were very foolish. Because some ended up destroying themselves and destroying their children in the process. Hallelujah. So wisdom is after the fact. So most of us now, we are taking, we are, where we are sitting now is as a result of some decisions we took a few years ago. And where we will be 10 years from today is as a result of the decision we are taking now. So if you take wise decisions, it will take you to a wise and a better place. If you take foolish decisions now, it may look good. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the fool, the foolish person says in his heart, there is no God. And so they take some decisions based on the fact that there is no God. And it's only a matter of time. It catches up with them. Hallelujah. So as a priest, you need to be anointed so that you don't take foolish decisions. How many in this room have taken some foolish decisions in your time? Give me a wave. I think it's about everybody in this room. It means that we have the propensity to take foolish decisions. All of us can take foolish decisions. If you leave us, in fact, we will default to foolishness. Are you with me? So we need the oil so that we don't self-destruct. I always say this. Somewhere around here, I don't know exactly what point in your torso, your body, the upper part of your body, there's a button called self-destruct. And your finger is always itching to press that button. I don't know where on your body that particular button is. But all of us sitting in this room, the, I, I don't know, doctor, do you know where the button is? If you can teach us, being a medical a consultant, you can show us where the, the uh, 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 button is. But it's a button that when you push, it goes poof, and then the whole person is destroyed. You bomb yourself. And your finger is always itching to press that button. I, I don't know, but your finger is always itching. So you need God's wisdom. 
You need God's guidance so that you don't destroy yourself by pressing that button. Hallelujah. So far, the decision we are taking right now, it is actually your finger playing with the button. The, the guy you have been sleeping with that you think nobody knows is you playing with a self-destruct button eh, 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 because your finger is itching. Your finger is itching. Run about now. You can't sit still when he doesn't call. When you don't talk to him in the night, you don't feel like you have done something. So you want... I think I'm preaching at the wrong place. Let me go and stand here. You may be doing some things that you think nobody has seen. And it looks like you are hiding very, very well with the thing that you are doing. And you see, it is playing with that self-destruct button. So, Debbie, as I'm preaching, I'm preaching to you. Okay. Is it okay for me to preach to you? Yeah. Okay, so I'll stand here so that nobody disturbs us. Is that all right? You can easily self-destruct. What was he doing? I'm not saying Debbie self-destructing. No, please, I don't want problems. <laughs> if after after church, you, you should have a meeting. Hallelujah. <laughs> Anyways, let's go on. So you need wisdom. You need God's wisdom, divine wisdom, so that you don't take. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Hallelujah. So, and that way is very unpopular, it's very uncomfortable to walk in the narrow straight way. That, that, that uh, only a few good people are on that way because they have had God's mercy. God has given them some wisdom. Am I making sense? Oh, I said, am I making sense? Hallelujah. So, the king needs wisdom and needs God's enablement. The prophet needs God's divine power so that his words don't fall to the ground. Uh, I don't know whether you got what I said. The, the Bible says that the word, he does not send his word to go and come back void, but it goes to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. God will always make sure that his word doesn't fall to the ground. And the mark of a prophet is, is not what he says, it's not how eloquent he is, it's not how powerful he sounds, but it is when the word of the prophet comes to pass. When what he says comes to pass, that is what makes him a prophet. And if you are going to be a prophet, you can never be a prophet without God's divine enablement. Because you will be prophesying what you feel like. So the Bible says that they have hewn for themselves prophets that I know not of. I don't know where they got them from. 
They call them prophet two, prophet three, prophet four, prophet A, prophet B, prophet C. They have different names they give themselves. Battery prophet, angel prophet, computer prophet, whatever. They have names. But I, God, I don't know anything about them. I don't know them. And so you see some of these guys will just go and find some occultic, some voodoo something to want to do some magic to add to what they are doing to, you know, authenticate them. But God says, I don't know them. Because what makes you a prophet is having my presence and having my divine enablement. Last week, I used this uh, uh, example that the microphone is like the anointing. I am talking. You can hear me on a certain frequency. If I switch off, if the anointing goes off, understand the people at the back will struggle to hear what i'm saying because the power is not being carried so the anointing is like the power that carries some the little you do and amplifies it and makes it big amen so we all need the anointing as a policeman you need god's anointing because as you are investigating a very, very complex case, sometimes you don't know where the case, the trail is leading, but God can give you one wisdom. And you say, I don't know where this wisdom came from. But then you go and open a certain door and you find a thief hiding in the cupboard somewhere. As a lawyer, You'll be defending a case or you'll be trying a case. And then, and then you something, God will just drop something in your head and you just say something, you just ask a question and that question closes the case. Because it makes somebody uh, acquitted or somebody guilty because you have God's divine. As an accountant, sometimes you'll be chasing two pounds or one P, two P. The whole you spent one week trying to put the whole board pack together, and there's only two p that is lost. Sometimes you want to take two p from your pocket and put it in there, but you can't take two p from your pocket to balance it. So sometimes you'll be looking at all these big ledgers. You'll be looking. You'll be looking. You'll be find then something that go to the transaction that was done day five, and look at the expenditure land and then as you add you see oh there was a two two p that was missed missed out and then you put the two p there and the account balances and you close and go home it is god's divine anointing hallelujah as a priest you need god's anointing because we all have the same bible from Genesis to Revelation, nobody can preach beyond Genesis or uh, 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 before Genesis or beyond Revelation. But then you be under a priest and you'll preach and something will happen to your life. Your life will just transform. You will become, you become another man just because of the words you heard from somebody. Because the words are powerful 
in John 6:63, he says that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The, the words you are here are life-transforming words. I said they are life-transforming words. They are life-giving words. Hallelujah. So you need, you need God in everything. As a king, you need God. As a prophet, you need God. As a priest, you need God. When you are sick, you need God's anointed. You need healing. You need hands laid upon you. I know in this day and age, we trust more on uh, medical science than we trust God's healing power. But I'm from the old school. I still believe that let's do the medication, but let's also pray. Hallelujah. I say let's do the medication, but let's pray about it. God has divine healing that he bestows. The Bible says that the bread of the children is healing. So healing belongs to us. Sons of the anointed ones have healing as their bread. Am I making sense? And the equipment, the utensils of the house of God is also anointed. That is why you must frequent the house of God. Because as you interact with the equipments of the house of God, you are interacting with the anointed. The chair you are sitting on is anointed. The door you walk through is anointed. The microphone you are hearing from is anointed. The speakers, the drums, the keyboards, all the, those things are anointed. So the more you sit here and hear the word of God, the more you get anointed. Am I talking to somebody? That is why David said that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. Because when I come to the house of God, there's, there's pleasures forevermore. There's joy in the house of God. You know, I, I'm sure for most of you, the whole week, you have never seen anything of these young crazy guys dancing and excited. And you're like, what is this? Is this church? Yes, it's church. That's right. I say, yes, it's church. Right. Church is not supposed to be a dull place. It's supposed to be a place that refreshes us. Because the anointing will come to a place of fire and not feel the heat. Hallelujah. You have to feel something. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? But I have talked about priests. I've talked about kings. I've talked about prophets. I've talked about sick people. I've talked about objects. Well, how do I fit into it? I only work as a, a nurse. I only work as a teacher. I am a doctor. I am unemployed. How do I fit into all this thing, brother pastor? What you're saying, I hear you, but what does, how does this concern me? I am glad you asked that question. First Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own peculiar people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. What the scripture is saying is that you are what? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people. In Revelation chapter number 5, is it? Verse 9, it says that, And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every type and every tongue, people, and nation. And you have made us kings. Somebody say kings. Somebody say, I've been made a king. Say, I am a king. He has made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Hallelujah. He has made you what? Kings and he's made you priests. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar holiness, uh, 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 a peculiar people because the Bible says that you are ambassadors. First Corinthians, it says that you are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says, now then we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What the Bible is saying is that God needs his kingdom established on the throne or on the earth. So what he does is that he takes the king and puts him in that job. So you are, you are a king that has been sent to LGI. So you are in LGI. You are in the, what department are you in? Cardio. You are in St. James. He's in LGI. Cardio. So you look after hearts. Is it? Heart and all those type of things. Something about the heart. So Oh, leave me alone. So, in that department, he needs a king to represent him. Are you getting it? The, the, the queen, in the colonial days, she sat in Buckingham Palace and she wanted to rule the whole world. So, she sends governors to countries and the governor goes into the country as a representative of the queen. So whatever the queen wants to be done in that uh, province or that place, the, the, he, she gives the directive and the governor in wherever she, uh, he is will ensure that that happens. God is no different. God is the king of kings. He has made us kings and priests. He has made us rulers and deposited us in different places. Hallelujah. He has put us in different places so that we can enforce his kingdom. That's right. So where you are, the job you are doing, you are the king that represents the kingdom of God. You are the ambassador that represents Christ himself. You are there to reconcile his people back to him. Am I making sense? So you need his power. You see, a king is no king without the backing of power. A governor is nobody if they don't have the backing of their sovereignty. Am I making sense? If there is no backing, a policeman is nobody if they don't have the backing. You know, so Richard, he's, Richard, please stand. This guy, he's, he's Richard. As far as we are concerned. But, when he puts on his uniform, 
you see him after this place and he puts on his uniform, you better respect him. When he says sit down, you sit down. When he says come out of your car, you better come out of your car. Because he has the backing of the government. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, I'm, Richard, come, come. Come, come, come towards me. Uh, I am not, I am not, uh, I am not uh, advocating violence, but it looks like when I go one-on-one with you, I can handle you. <laughs> but you see, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether I think I can, I'm bigger than him and I can sort him out or not. When he has his uniform on, I better respect him. He has his, he has his, badge, his badge. So, you see, when he has his badge, he better go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 13. So, he's just using, uh, using a slit example. You are showing me your badge. What is that? But you see, his badge alone has made me make him go and sit down quickly. You don't use him as examples by heart. Because the badge alone gives him power. If he flashes the badge and he says that you are under arrest, even though he's off duty, he still can arrest you. Uh, Are you getting what I'm saying? And you see, it's, it's the power that has been deposited to him by the government. In the same way, God gives you power. As you go to that workplace, you have divine power and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When you declare a thing, it shall be. Because you have divine enablement. Ah, you understand what I'm saying? That is why you also need the anointing. You see, Richard didn't just get a badge. He had to be trained. There's a training that he has. If I try to fight him, he'll hit one or two places in my body and that would that be it. Because he has been trained to be a police officer to disable people. It is, no, disable, not disarm. There are two different things. This arm means I must have something for him to collect. This able means that he will make my power finish. <laughs> are, you, are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. He knows the part of the body to press. And now we'll finish the fight. I'm not making sense. But spiritually, I also have the power and the places to press that will just spoil everything. You have to, you have to equalize it. You think you alone have power? Me to have power. Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm saying? So we also need God's divine power and ability. Can I give you five quick reasons why you need? God's, you are the candidate and why the anointing is meant for you. Number one, the anointing is to bring creativity and design. 
Hallelujah. The anointing is to bring what? Creativity. You need to be creative. Hallelujah. How many know that we are paid by the things that, the, the problems we solve? How much money you qualify to earn is as a result of the problems that you are solving for your company. If you solve a lot of problems, you get a lot of money. If you solve very, very little problem and you cause more problems for the company, you don't get so much money. Am I making sense? Yeah. So in Exodus 31, God says to Moses, I have called for you Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of her, of the tribe of Judah, and I have deposited or filled him with the spirit of God in what? Wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. So I have anointed this guy with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all manner of workmanship, of design skill. All of us need that same anointing. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. You know, as a designer, Jennifer, you need wisdom. Because it doesn't matter how good you are as a designer. If you don't know how to manage your business, the creative ability and all those things will amount to nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you can design clothes, but you'll be poor. Because you don't know how to take a little sum of money and make it become something else. Are you getting what I'm saying? That one is not how good you sew. It's how you deal with people, how you manage your, 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 your income, how you manage your expenditure, how you manage, you put things together. It's all part of the wisdom that you need. Then you need understanding to understand the design. Look at the shape of the person before you design a dress for the person to wear. What separates a good designer from a bad designer is the understanding they have to their craft. Do you understand what I'm saying? What makes a consultant better than another is the understanding they have. Because it's not everything that is written in the book. Sometimes you will meet a certain problem that you have never read in a book. And you need to think on your feet to take some wild decisions that will make or break. And you need a certain understanding to be able to apply the experience you have to the challenge that you are facing. I don't know whether I'm getting through to somebody. How many understand what I'm saying? So you need, you need the anointing. As a wife with a baby, you are feeding your baby and all of a sudden your baby begins to chew, choke and then it begins to change color, look blue. What do you do? Some of you go, you'll be jumping up and down, and the baby will just die off. But the mother who has understanding will turn the baby and then hits the baby once. 
Not a lot of times. Once, and the thing will come out. Because you need to hit the baby at the right place to get whatever is stuck to come out. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, I have experience. Yesterday, we went to the uh, whatever, and uh, the, the hotel to do as soon as we got there, her sister had sprained her foot. And she was like, ah, I'm dying. I'm, I have to go to A&E. And then I said, wait. So I knelt down and I took the foot. And then I turned it a certain way. And I kept the pressure. And she said, this brother pastor is killing me. <laughs> and I kept, I kept the pressure there for, for a while. Then I said, put your foot down. She put her foot down. I said, you're not going to any in here. Sit down. Just chill. Before she was, she was okay. Because part of my job as a pastor is also to be first aider. Spiritually and physically. Spiritually and physically. <laughs> She's not here, is she? But she was okay, wasn't she? She's going back to work. She said, my foot is going to swell. I said, no, no. What I've done, your foot will not swell. It was anointing plus understanding to do something. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So we need anointing to be creative. How many know that a good wife is very creative? A good wife will take the same boring food and present it differently all the time and the husband will be very happy. It's the same food but every day they present, the presentation is different. They remove something, they add something, they twist something, they twist something and everything. It's like... Hallelujah. It's having understanding. When you understand your husband, there's happiness at home. When you understand your wife, there's joy. When you understand what you are doing, there's peace. Are you with me? Do you understand the work you are doing? At work, do you understand the task that has been given? Do you understand the people you are working? Do you understand the environment you are operating in? Do you have understanding of what is going on around you? Do you know the people you have? What the type of uh, spirit they carry? Have you got an understanding of who you are dealing with? Or you are just obeying the wind? You need anointing. I say you need an anointing. That guy that you are dating now. Do you know the spirit that he is carrying? Have you taken time to investigate the demons that are chasing him. The demons that he is coming to introduce to you, do you know them? It is not just seeing nice hips and nice, uh, what do you call a figure that qualifies the person for a, 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 a wife. Zato. Can she cook? Can she clean? Does he provide? 
Is he somebody that works hard? The worst person you can be married to is a selfish person. Hallelujah. Is he selfish? Is he kind? Uh, 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 what, what do you call Mama's boy spirit. Listen, pray that you don't marry a mama's boy. Pray about it. And pray about it that you don't marry a daddy's girl. You better pray about it. Because everything you do don't compare to daddy. Let me finish quickly. The way people are looking at me is like, Number two. Number two, quickly, my time is up. The anointing for solving difficult problems. Anointing will give you the opportunity to solve difficult problems. The king has a mental illness. Daniel was called by three different kings. Three different kings used Daniel because Daniel had the ability to solve difficult problems. When people could not interpret the king's dream, he solved the mystery. He solved the puzzle because of the anointing. As you go about solving difficult problems in the office, you get promoted. How many know that? As you solve different difficult issues in the office for your boss, you will be you are liable for a promotion. Are you with me? Some of us are solving problems, create problems. Don't be a problem creator. Be a solver of problems. Part of the anointing is to enable you solve problems. Not become a problem yourself. Uh, I hope I haven't lost you yet. I hope I haven't lost you yet. Part of the anointing is to solve problems. Number three. We are finishing. The anointing for skill. The king is mad. You need a, a skillful player to play. You know, if um, Shadrach swap, swap with um, McLean, swap, go and sit there. Put a camera on him. Okay, so play, I'm preaching, play. Play. Just, just play, just play. <laughs> just play anything. He, he didn't ask me what I wanted. Yeah, just press. All of a sudden, it is no longer helping me preach. It's actually a disturbance and a nuisance. Are you with me? 
When you have an unskillful person doing anything, they cause problem and they cause a disturbance. Instead of giving the atmosphere to to look at look at what is it. Remove yourself quickly. Can you understand what I'm saying? So the anointing gives you and enables you to become skillful at whatever you are doing. All of a sudden now, the music has come back. Now we are not even thinking about the music anymore. It's not disturbing us anymore because it's a skillful person playing. May you be skillful in that area that God has called you. Hallelujah. The next one anointing for leadership and management how many will agree with me that all of us need leadership and all of us need management you need to manage your finances you need to manage your children you need to manage your home you need to manage your life you need to manage your health you need to manage every area every aspect of your life and you need an anointing to help you manage to, to, to live well. Amen. Without management, you cannot progress. You need good leadership in every area. Without good leadership, this church will not go far. Hallelujah. You need good leadership. And good leadership is an anointing that God gives. Because none of us is born a leader. None of us learn management or leadership necessarily. Sometimes God has to enable you. Am I making sense? Sometimes God has to give you that divine wisdom to be able to manage properly. Let me give you the last one. Anointing for strategic thinking. Hallelujah. Strategic. As a king, you need to be strategic. Solomon was a very strategic thinker. He made alliances with different kingdoms, different people. He married different strategic marriages so that there will be peace in his land. So even though his father achieved the same thing with fighting, he never fought anybody. But he achieved the same thing his father achieved with strategic thinking. Even though it backfired in the end. How many understand what I'm saying? Your ability to strategically think and make decisions is imperative in this day and age. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? You need to be strategic and God gives us the ability. Look at the world that God created. How things happen. Where he decided to put certain species of people and certain different races of people and certain, you know, he creates a, a, a strategic God is very detailed. Look at the shape of a man and look at the shape of a woman. It's strategic. The way you look is very straight. No contours, no plan. It's like just here, there, you are here, go. go. Look at the lady, the contours. It's strategic. McLean, behave yourself strategic because she needs hips 
to be able to push the baby out. You didn't think about that. You thought the hips is there for fashion. No, it's not fashion accessory. It's so that, oh, I stood at the wrong place. Why do I do this to myself? I always do this to myself. Let me go. Let me stand where I'm supposed to stand. Then there, there won't be any problem. So as a priest, let me stand here and be a proper priest. God is very strategic. You have to be as strategic as God is. And it takes God's divine insight, divine wisdom to make you a strategic thinker. Am I making sense? Yeah. Some of you, the reason why you haven't been married till now is because you are not strategic. You spoke too soon. You, 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 you showed your left leg too quickly. Stand to your feet. Let's go home before I 